This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 24, and we're calling this one The Bats Come Alive. Hope you are having an excellent day. Wherever you are listening to us, I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. Guys are on live from 5.30 until 10 o'clock. I'm on from 5 to 5.30. And then with them all the way up until 10 o'clock on 6.70, the score, your official radio home for Cubs baseball. And as always, I'm joined by my good buddy Crawley. Crawley, afternoon. How you doing? Doing great. I've uh, been kind of keeping up with all the Cubs news. You can follow that and follow me at Crawley's Cubs on Twitter. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FlyTheW670, Facebook FlyTheW, and you can email us at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. So in our last episode, Crawley, we were wrapping up a really exciting time for you and for anybody, but for you specifically because you got to go to the Field of Dreams game. We talked about all your experiences, who you ran into, checking you out on social, but now it's time to go through those games. We talked about a Game 1 Field of Dreams. The Cubs won that one. Four to two. They had a rare Friday off. We don't see that very often. That moved us into late afternoon, early evening game two. Cubs at the Reds in Cincinnati. Adrian Sampson was on the mound for our Northsiders. Yeah, and you know I've been really pushing for this kid to get a win. And even though the Cubs were able to take this game seven to two, unfortunately he didn't pitch through five to qualify for the win. So. I don't know. I I think that's kind of cheesy that some guy comes in out of the bullpen, throws a couple innings, and he gets the win, but so be it, right? Yeah, there are some issues that we could always get into with the the stats. Wins and losses, do they matter? Don't they matter? Um, I always get a kick out of the, the definition of a quality start, right? I mean, everybody's definition is a little bit different, but I think Major League Baseball's definition of a quality start, in my opinion, is pretty soft. I don't know that that's an actual quality start, but that's not for here or there. Maybe that's a off-season, long-form conversation you and I could have. Absolutely, because I have, I definitely have heard that they are talking about even going five innings for a quality start. Oh, so. boy, boy. You talk about uh, you know participation award for everything. My goodness gracious. Lower in the bar. Uh, and so 
It's not four innings yet, which is what Samson went, but <laughs> he, you know, he struggled, you know, you know, he was, it was all right, but he just, you know, throw a lot of pitches bottom of the first Jake Fraley doubles, Nick Senzel's called out on strikes, farmer singles. And right away, the Cubs are down one, nothing Votto grounded into a force out McKinstry to magical farmers uh, was out at second. Votto's now at first Samson walks Solano and Reynolds to load the bases, but he strikes out Aristides Alquino to end the threat, which I was very nervous about because Aquino is definitely a Cubs killer. He thrives on Cubs pitching and nobody else for some odd reason. Yes, he does. He's a big guy too. But in the top of the fourth one out, Saya reaches on a throwing error by shortstop Jose Barrero. Uh, for Milm Reyes, though, makes him pay with a two-run blast. His first home run as a Cub and the Cubs lead 2-1. to one. Apo Taco. The amazing thing about this one, there's a couple ones in this game. This was a breaking ball, and it was exactly where the pitcher wanted it, down and away. And usually, if you make contact, it's a little bloop, but you just see Reyes, the size of that man. He muscles it out to give the Cubs a 2-1 to one lead, so that was nice to see. Yeah, big, strong man, hit ball far. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was really great to see. And then the top of the fifth, Nicky Magical singles, Wilson walks, Hap singles, so Magical scores, and the Cubs are up 3 nothing. You got runners at first and second, but unfortunately, Saya grounds out and Reyes, uh, Reyes uh, Saya grounds out into a double play, and Reyes grounds out to end the threat. Takes us to the bottom of the fifth. Jake Fraley singles, Senzel walks, Farmer singles, at friendly scores, and now the Cubs' lead is cut to three to two. Sean Newcomb replaces Sampson, who once again doesn't get the win as we talked about, but he strikes out the uh, Vado, Solano, and Reynolds to get out of the jam. So nice performance by Sean Newcomb. Very nice performance. Yep, very nice performance. Calf to like what we've seen out of him so far. And then in the top of the seventh, one out. This is still a pretty pretty close game, uh, three to two. Magical walks, Contreras singles, but Ian Happ, they say that Ian never leaves Cincinnati without a homer, does it again, a three-run home run on an – again, this was like the Reyes where this was just a ball that there's no – it defied physics that he was able to hit a home run off of it. But that three-run blast three made inches it six off the to ground. two. It, yeah, it's, it's like how, off the ground. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, he like how like he did that. I, I, I have did. no clue. No clue. Uh, and, and so you know, shame on me for not playing him and beat the streak because he like he has he's like in the company of <laughs> he's in the company of Barry Bonds and uh, Babe Ruth as far as uh, on base plus slugging against an individual team. It's like ridiculous. Uh, top of the obvious, ninth. I think Wilson, obvious shirts came out with a shirt for that, Crowley. They have one for everything, right? Top <laughs> of the ninth, Wilson hits a solo home run. And so three home runs in the game. The Cubs win this one, seven to two. Like I said, Samson only four innings, six hits, two runs, three walks, six Ks. So he didn't have that big inning that kind of usually torpedoes him, but he was throwing a lot of pitches. The bullpen did a great job. We talked about uh, Newcomb, but they went five innings pitch, one hit, zero runs, three walks, and eight Ks. Offense had seven runs on nine hits, 18 total bases, six left on base, went two for nine with runners in scoring position, but all in all, a pretty good day. You had Contreras two for four with a homer, Hap two for five with a homer, and four RBIs, and Reyes was two for four with a homer. The Reds, not so much. Ashcroft went 6.1, six hits. Uh, He gave up three earned runs, three walks, four Ks. The offense had two runs on seven hits, nine total bases. They left uh, 11 uh, men on base and were two for 10 with runners in scoring position. 
Yeah, so not much difference there, Crowley, with the runners in scoring position, but it's the long ball, right? And that's what Jed talked about. Why he brought Reyes to the Cubs was he was looking for another guy to put the ball up into the air and try to get it out of the park. And obviously, in game number two of this series, the home run ball is what won them that game. Well, you know, Dustin, it was uh, when, when that when the first great Cubs team, or the last great Cubs team, let's put it that way, you had a lot of three true outcome guys, strikeout, walk, home run. And they were looking for guys to, you know, make more contact with the ball. And that's what this Cubs team does. Unfortunately, a lot of times is grounding into double plays and stuff like that. And so you want a balance. You want guy. you don't want guys that are just constantly, you know, in the lineup. If, if everyone's doing the same thing in the lineup, it's not a good thing. You got to have to have a balanced lineup. And you didn't see that in with the broken offense of 2017, 18, 19. And you definitely don't see it with the offense this year with the amount of balls being hit into the ground. That's really a problem. Right, definitely a problem for the Cubs. But, hey, Crowley, they got to fly the W, so they've played two games against the Reds at this point. They've taken two so far. That moves us over to Sunday afternoon, Game 3. Keegan Thompson on the hill for our Northsiders. Yeah, you know, I was talking sweep. I think you had him taking two or three last time we talked, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I felt very comfortable where I was sitting at, and then Keegan came out, and it didn't happen. But, you know, top of the second, Nico, Nico Horner doubles and Wisdom homers. Cubs are up 2 nothing. Everything's looking good. But the bottom of the second, right, you get to the bottom third of the order, Donovan Solano walked. Old Albert Almora. You walk Albert Almora. You never walk Albert Almora. That's just unforgivable. Did, did, he, have, did he have five walks as a Cub? Did he have five walks as a Cub? Right, seriously. And so Aristides Alquino, homers, and the Cubs are trailing three to two. Jose Barrera called out on strikes. Former Cub Austin Romine lined out to right, but then Jake Fraley doubles, and Keegan is pulled for Anderson Espinosa. Senzel walks, Farmer singles, Fraley scores, and the Cubs now trail four to two after two. But Thompson is the story there. 70 pitches in 1.2 innings. Yeah, that's uh, that's not very good. Um, and at some point, this was going to catch up with these younger guys that were supposed to be bullpen guys, were supposed to be spot starters or openers, and they've thrown a lot of pitches and a lot of innings. So I think it just kind of caught up to them. There's a lot of question, and, and, and we've talked about this plenty on the podcast, that sooner or later in September there's going to be other guys, these guys are going to be shut down was my prediction by Labor Day. And now I'm even starting to think, you know, I'm just wondering with Keegan. The question is, the Cubs are, 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 are a pretty good organization when it comes. I know people are not going to think that way, and certainly not with extensions, but I could see them releasing some of these players so that they can catch on with other teams kind of get a good, you know, have people talking good about the organization, how they do right on some people. And I can see that happening with Drew Smiley or who knows Wade Miley. But then the question is, who's going to take these innings right now? Because right. I, I don't want to see Keegan throw in September, to be honest. No, no, absolutely right. They need to keep those guys around. Listen, unfortunately, I, I agree with everything you just said. It would make the organization look good. But at the same time, you know, those guys weren't there when the Cubs needed them the most. So sometimes you just have to use them. I don't want to say abuse them, but you got to use them up. We'll see what happens. You still got guys like Mark Leiter. You want to see if Caleb Killian will give you something. There's still guys to try out, but it's just something to kind of keep an eye out. So the Cubs are down four to two after two, but in the top of the third, they come back here with one out. Hap walks, Suzuki pops out to Voto, but then for Mail Reyes doubles to left. 
Hap was out at home. I, I don't know if you saw that send, but I, I thought that was that. a bad send. Right. I, I all the way around. It's it's a bad send and it's I think Hap should have known better. I mean, you know, Hap's a good athlete. He's really busts his rear end, but there was no I mean, I don't know that Christopher Morell is making that. I, I just it was just way too aggressive. Way too aggressive. And I like aggressive. Way too aggressive. That's so you lo- you know you don't get a run there and so the top of the fourth two out Zach McKinstry doubles Jan Gomes homers and the game's tied at four the very next batter Chris Morell homers and the Cubs Boom. take a five four lead back to back jacks on that one that was awesome I, I jumped off the couch that was that was a ton that was a ton of fun I mean the the crowd had barely settled back into the seats the few people not a lot of people at the great american ballpark if they still call it that on sunday afternoon plenty of good seats available and those that you did see were wearing cubs t-shirts but yeah i mean morell just right after gomes gomes was still high-fiving people and morell had put it out of the park absolutely uh, unfortunately uh not you uh espinosa espinosa did not hold it there you had one out in austin romine singles jake freely singles the runners advance on a balk Alejo Lopez reaches on a fielder's trost, so Romine scores. So that that was a short-lived lead, is five to five. Uh, but Fraley was out at third. Game's tied at five. Bottom of the fifth, one out. Donovan Solano singles. Elmora walks again, somehow, some way. Aquino strikes out. Barrera doubles. So Solano scores. Elmora to third. The Cubs trail six to five. And another, like I said, you have former Cubs here with Elmora. Now Austin Romine doubles. Elmore and Barrero score in the Cubs trail eight to five. A little bit of excitement in the eighth inning. Hunter Strickland on the mound. Wilson singles. McKinstry strikes out swinging. Gomes walks. Morell walks. So you got the bases loaded. One out. The go-ahead run at the plate with, but there's a pitching change. Rookie reliever Alexis Diaz comes in. Ice through the veins. He strikes out Nelson Velasquez and Ian Happ. Yeah, that's a bad way to end it. You get a little bit of a little bit of hope going, and to see those two guys strike out in that situation really stinks out loud. So we talked about Keegan, 1.2, two hits, four runs, three walks, two Ks. Anderson Espinosa, 2.2 innings, four hits, three runs, two walks, one K. The offense had five runs on 12 hits, 26 total bases, but they left 11 on base and were two for 11 with runners in scoring position. Horner went three for five. McKinstry and Wisdom, two for five. For the Reds, Dunn didn't do much better in the pitching department. 3.2 innings pitch, seven hits, five runs, two uh, two walks, four Ks. The offense had eight runs, 13 hits, 18 total bases, 10 left on base, but were four with 14 with runners in scoring position. Romine, Barrio, Solano, Farmer, all two for four, and Elmore with two damn walks. Yep, two damn walks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. And as we promised you from the start of this podcast, we were not only going to talk about Cubs baseball, we're going to talk about the minor leagues, keep you informed on some of the guys that may be coming up sooner rather than later as part of the next great or good Cubs team. At this point, we'd even take good. So it's our pleasure to bring in Max Toma, the voice of the South Bend Cubs. Next up on Fly the W, I'm joined by the voice of the South Bend Cubs, Max Toma. Max, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Uh, good. I, I actually saw your boss. I saw Andrew Berlin at the Field of Dreams game, one of the great, great owners of minor league baseball. Uh, I do, so it was fun seeing him down there. Uh, yeah, he's always a blast to talk to. Can I, can I ask you, how was the Field of Dreams? Oh, man, it, it, was, it was everything you could wish for and more, man. I... I, I it's hard to describe in words. It's one of those things that you just tell people, man, you just had to have seen it. You just had to have been there because there's no amount of pictures. I've looked at the pictures. I've watched it on TV, on DVR. Nothing does it justice, man. It was just so much fun. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously the result aside, I mean, the trip's got to be amazing either way, but the result obviously helps. That had to be one heck of a trip. Yeah, it definitely was worth it. So we 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 had some fun, and and that was the funny thing is just like you bump into everybody that you bumped into seemed to be somebody like that, whether an ex player or you know team owners, front office. There's so many people because it's such a tiny venue. You know what I mean? Eight thousand people. Yeah, it's such a, it's such an intimate crowd of you know important and loud people, uh, uh, really. <laughs> but it was definitely exciting. So last time uh, we talked about the South Bend Cubs. I talked uh, in the first half a little bit and it was a really good team, but kind of still trying to find their way. Things have changed for the South Bend Cubs since the last that we talked about them. Uh, tell us what's been going on in the second half so far. Uh, I mean, well, first off, I would just start with, yeah, I mean, we've had like pretty much the youngest team in the league, almost the entirety of the season. Um, and, you know, you can't expect, you know, 20 and 21 year olds to go out there every day, you know, when they're just starting off at this level and just pick up where they left off and, you know, in Loway and Myrtle Beach or, you know, at a rookie affiliate in Arizona. Uh, but a lot of these young guys have just really figured things out and are starting to really put it together on both sides of the ball. You know, our offensive numbers have really picked up in the second half. We've been in first place in the second half for over a month now. I think it's been 33 days that we've been holding first place. Uh, it's a tight race now. We're, we're up, you know, just one game, but. Our rotations had, you know, a huge influx of new guys from Myrtle Beach. We basically now have the Myrtle Beach rotation at the beginning of the season. Um, and these guys have just been as good as advertised and better. I mean, Porter Hodge and Luis Devers have just been, especially Luis Devers, he has just been almost like untouchable every single time he has pitched for us so far. Yeah, it's fun to watch because, you know, when I, when I came down to throw that first pitch in April – God, it was so cold, but yeah. you know, it was April baseball, baby. You never, <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. But it was a completely different rotation. You know, you had Jordan Wicks and DJ Hurst and all those guys now are in Tennessee. But like you said, you have guys like Devers and Porter Hodge coming up and picking things up. But you talked a little bit about the tightness of the race. Explain to the listeners what minor league postseason baseball is like. I think your last home game is right around September 11th, September 12th, right around there? Uh, our last game of the year is on September 11th. Our last home game is, is a week prior on September 4th. We, we actually finished on the road uh, at Cedar Rapids. So, you know, it's worked differently in the past. It worked differently last year, and it's changed again this year. But basically, there's, you know, two halves to the season. There's two divisions. If you win your division in the first half, you clinch a playoff spot. So two teams clinched. Uh, Great Lakes, uh, you know, on the other side from us. 
And then Cedar Rapids clinched on our side on the West Division. Uh, and then, you know, it's the winner of the second half as well. So it's a four-team playoff. You play the team in the playoff from your side. So there's a decent chance that we finish the year actually playing Cedar Rapids uh, in the regular season. And then if we make the playoffs, turn around, we'd face them uh, immediately afterward as well. Wow. So right now, Beloit is on they're, – they're, they're nipping at your heels one game back. Yeah, and we got the uh, we got the series of the year because we're we're welcoming Beloit to town starting tomorrow. Uh, you know, Tuesday to Sunday series here at South Bend. You know, we have more home wins than any team in the league uh, throughout the entirety of the season, and it's been like that for a long time. These guys have just played their best baseball in front of the home crowd and uh, at Four Winds Field in downtown South Bend. So uh, uh, we're pumped. You know, six game set. You know, a huge chance to kind of you know separation between us and Beloit and Wisconsin, who's only three games back too. Yeah, it's just an exciting race. Who right now has really kind of been care, you know, helping this team? Who's who's hot right now for the South Bend Cubs during this stretch that we should be looking at? Uh, well, during this stretch, I mean, we've had a lot of guys just, you know, had just scorching hot stretches throughout the season. Um, I mean, you know, Hendrick Pinango, the first three and a half weeks of July might have been the best minor league baseball player around. Um, but right now, Luis Verdugo has really stepped into his own. You know what you're going to get from him day in and day out defensively. He's got an incredible glove at third base. His arm is second to none, I think, in the league at third. But, I mean, he's been on base now 21 games in a row, which is the longest streak we've had on the team this year. He just snapped Alexander Canario's 20-game streak on, uh, on Sunday in our last game yesterday. Um, and Verdugo has just picked it up tremendously. He's starting to hit the ball over the wall, too. He's got five homers this year. Almost all of them have come in the last couple of months. Three of them have been over this stretch. Um, Luis Verdugo's moved up in the lineup, and, you know, him amongst a lineup of a guy like Yo Hendrick Pinango, Owen Casey, Pete Crow Armstrong, and Jordan Wogu, uh, I mean, it's a real deep lineup. There's not really a weakness you could point out to, especially with down towards the bottom of the order. You know, Pablo Aliendo's hitting well over, you know, 330 in the last month and a half now since July 1st. He's been just crushing it. Talk to me about Pablo Aliando a little bit, just in, in case people don't know. Catcher. Yeah, Pablo, yeah, 21-year-old catcher from Venezuela. I mean, this is one of those guys where it's like, you know, baseball aside, I hope you get the chance to just meet him and talk to him. Um, when we talk to kids who are, you know, running camps in the area and whatnot, hey, do you have a favorite player on the team? It's always Pablo Aliendo. This guy just brings so much joy to the ballpark every day. He's always got a smile and on his face. It doesn't matter how he's playing. It doesn't matter how the team is playing. Uh, fortunately, both have been playing very well, so he's even extra happy. But uh, the energy that Pablo brings to the ballpark every day is second to none. Uh, his glove behind the plate, you know, his you know, calling games behind the dish is great, and you know, he's really starting to swing it too. Yeah, you know, it seems like it seemed like there was all, you know, we were talking about just struggle as far as not a lot of depth in the catching position in the Cubs organization. And now you're looking at Aliendo, you're looking at Ballesteros. And then don't forget, Miguel Amaya is back. And all of a sudden, this position that looked like it was kind of, you know, struggling for the Cubs is now starting to come a little bit through a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great to see Amaya back healthy. Uh, Pablo certainly coming into his own this year. You know, he's been with us the whole the whole season so far. And then you got great depth at the position. And I, I think almost every team has a few catchers that, you know, are learning from each other. You look at a guy like, you know, we have Casey Opitz, you know, a top 10 round pick from last year out of Arkansas. Uh, there's not a better defensive catcher on the system than Casey Opitz. Uh, this guy is just absolutely elite and incredible behind the plate. And I'm sure that he is having a profound impact on Pablo as well with just his ability to receive the baseball and call a game. Now, in the first half, you had just a phenomenal outfielders in general. And then you add PCA in the mix. 
So you heard all the chatter, you know, coming up from Myrtle Beach and all that stuff. To you, what, what do you see when you watch Pete Crow Armstrong on a day-in, day-out basis? Um, I mean, when I see him in the outfield, what, what I see is electricity. I mean, he makes the ballpark look small as a defender, which not many people do. You know, maybe offensively there's some guys who can just knock the ball way out of the park to make a park look small. But it's hard to find green grass in the outfield if you hit the ball to center, you know, even to a gap because he's going to track everything down and he's going to look as smooth as possible doing it. I mean, it's got to be really frustrating to be an opposing outfielder and just watch how easy he makes every single play look. And then you look at him, and you wouldn't expect him to have a cannon, but he's just got an absolute howitzer of an arm. So you know you're going to get, I mean, top-of-the-line defense, like future gold glover potential kind of defense from him in center, uh, which has just been incredible. I think this guy will make, you know, full sprint behind-the-back catches on the wall, like, you know, at the warning track in VP. But uh, the offense, I mean, we knew it was going to be good. We, we watched him play for a few months in Myrtle Beach this year. Um, but I, I think with a 20-year-old promoted from low A to high A, you, ex you expect there to be kind of a learning curve. And, and we didn't really see that learning curve. Um, he's been just absolutely great at the top of the order. Talk about a spark plug. Uh, you know, he got on base to lead off the game yesterday, stole second, stole third. He's got lethal speed. He's got great range defensively, great jumps off the ball. And uh, I, I think if you asked anybody in the Cubs farm system about Pete this year, what they would be most surprised with is they probably didn't expect the level of power we're seeing. Um, I mean, he is driving the ball all over the field. It's been really impressive. So I got to ask, you guys are going to have some games on marquee coming up shortly, correct? You and Brennan King, right? Yeah, we have, uh, we actually have four in a row coming up here, Wednesday, Ooh. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And, and so for you, how exciting is it to realize that, you know, it's, it's not on a, some internet stream link or something like you're on, you're in the big show right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a thrill. Uh, we are just honored that Marquis asks, you know, all, all the affiliates of the Cubs. Other teams just don't do this. And, you know, the Cubs have such a good minor league system to put a spotlight on. And, and Marquis is doing such a stellar job of doing that. I mean, they just did the Road to Wrigley show on Friday. Um, but to see, you know, showcased in Myrtle Beach and South Bend and Tennessee and Iowa is a thrill. Um, and I think if you talk to any affiliate, if you talk to people at Marquee, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to find an ex more exciting team than what we have in South Bend right now. We've had, you know, eight to 10 top 30 prospects, really the entirety of the season. Um, and we don't try to do too much on Marquee. Um, we try to act like, you know, every single game we do is a TV game. And we try not to, you know, reach too high and too far and do something that we're not capable of. Um, but, you know, we practice things. We try to install new things prior uh, and then work on stuff. And we perform you know, a, a great production, a great show. And they really just put it up on a tee for BK and myself. Our production team is just fantastic. They make our lives very easy day to day. It's, it's gotta be fun to think like, wow, I, you know, the amount of eyes that get to see you guys on the TV, it's just gotta be, you almost got to pinch yourself, but you guys have had a few games on. So you guys are, you're, you guys are regulars now. No worries. Right. Yeah. And you know, actually we're, we're undefeated on marquee. Uh, we've got a couple walk-offs. We've got a couple shutouts. Um, so we're, we're, harp we're hoping that people watching Marquee and that, you know, Marquee Sports Network themselves are seeing like, Hey, look, look, look what South Ben's doing. You know, we're, uh, we're undefeated on the network and we're producing some fun games. And Max, I mean, I'm sure you, on Twitter, I always put the future looks bright Cub fans because as, as, the, as the big league product has not looked good, it, the minors have been a completely different story. And so, you know, I always tell people don't really focus too much on Iowa because there's always a lot of craziness going on with that. But if you take a look at, at Myrtle Beach, at you guys, at Tennessee, I mean, it's 
this is exciting stuff going on right here. And, and it wasn't too long ago that South Bend did win a championship. So it would be, it would be fun to go on another run, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the future down this pipeline is looking awfully bright. Um, I mean, yeah, any triple A team is, is a little bit hard to judge. Cause a lot of those are just, you know, guys who could replace potentially injured guys or traded guys or, you know, what have you. But uh, I mean, Myrtle beach really from the jump this year, it feels like has had, one of, if not one of the top five records in minor league baseball the entire season. Uh, and they have just been destroying the Carolina league. Um, we had just, I mean, on paper, when we got our roster this year, we were like, is this official? Like, this is going to be incredible. <laughs> and they're like, you know, it's not official yet. It goes official. We got everybody that we thought we were going to get and more. Um, we were just so thrilled. And the team is just, you know, gelled so well together. I, I think anybody can look at stats and look online and look at the standings, but this team's also just a blast. Like these guys are just a thrill to go work with every day. Uh, they're playing so well. And then it feels like in the last month, man, whenever I check the double, like the Tennessee Smokies box scores, it's like, okay, who didn't Homer today? Cause Canario and Perlaza are pretty much a lock to do something interesting. <laughs> Jake Slaughter had that like best stretch of baseball I've ever seen. Um, I know Jensen's been pitching really well of late, you know, Jordan Wicks has been incredible since he got moved up the last few weeks. Uh, Tennessee's been phenomenal and you know, but so many of these guys are just a couple of years away and Cubs are being, you know, patient, I think with a lot of players, but um, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I I'm, I'm excited to watch these next couple months. And I really want to see if Matt Mervis makes his MLB debut this year. That's definitely something I'm keeping an eye on. Now you guys always, like I said, I went down in April and it was just the whole ball experience at South Bend was just so much fun and you guys have a bunch of promotions coming up, including an old Cub alumni who's going to be heading back to South Bend. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. How much fun is it going to be to have, you know, Carrie Wood out here on August 31st? You know, especially, you know, how about spicing up a Wednesday at the ballpark? You know, he's doing a VIP meet and greet. He's going to be signing autographs for, you know, about an hour. Uh, uh, talk about a legend. Uh, I mean, I think I'm as excited as any fan would be just to talk to him and meet him. Um, that's going to be just so much fun to have. And it's great for him to come out there, you know, make the long drive here and come experience a game. And I, I know we're thrilled to have him. Now I'm, I'm curious here. I, I actually saw Kerry at the field of dreams game and had a chance to talk to him. He's just one of the greatest dudes ever. And, and I don't know, man, it just takes me, it's, it's hard to believe, you know, 20 years has passed, you know, it, it's time flies, man. But do you think, like, when you got a guy like Kerry Wood, and I know you've had other players down there this season, especially with someone like Kerry Wood, who, who's maybe a little bit more fresh in the mind of some yeah. of these young kids, but I just wonder, does he talk to any of the pitchers, like pull them aside or, or maybe kind of spend a little time just kind of meeting guys? And, and, and you know, I, I just keep thinking, like, how cool would it be, like, for Kerry Wood? I would love to be, like, seeing Kerry Wood shake hands with Cole Franklin or something. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. And we, and we had Jody Davis out earlier this year. I know he was on the field and did an interview. I don't know if he got to talk to players, but I, I get exactly where you're coming from in terms of the, you know, I grew up watching Kerry Wood. Um, you know, anybody on this team grew up and was either watching Kerry. I mean, they were watching Kerry Wood and they certainly knew who he was and knew his stuff and what he was capable of. Um, hey, I'll let you know if, if we get a picture of him with Cole Franklin or him with, you know, people with any pitchers or anybody down on the field, I, I'll certainly make sure. One, we're going to share it no matter what, but I'll share it with you as well because uh, I would love to see that side. I, I don't know. You never know what to expect when guys are coming. Because, Max, you know, from spring training and stuff like that, that, that's kind of the coolest thing is sometimes they get these veterans to come out and 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 talk to these young kids. And it's I love seeing the the alumni return and especially the roots, you know what I mean, to come back oh, yeah. and, and, and kind of, you know, 
help out any way they can. And, and it's, I remember just Kerry Wood just throwing absolute heat and, and it's not fair to, you know, compare him to anybody, but just like, you know, when I see some of the guys lighting up the gun at, at, at South Bend, I'm like, Oh man, you know, Kerry yeah. Wood just kind of pops right into my head, you know? Well, it's, it's also different, you know, you know, how many, I mean, we play 132 games over the course of many months, you know, plus spring training, you know, plus the fall. I mean, these guys are hearing, you know, similar things from, you know, the same types of guys the entire season, right? They're hearing it from teammates. They're hearing it from coaches. They work with throughout the entire year. But, you know, how about a former big leaguer who's been there, who's done that, and who's competed and done it, you know, at the very top level of the MLB? Um, I think, you know, just hearing it from a different voice, from a different perspective, uh, from a guy that, you know, anybody who's pitching on this team would love to emulate, obviously, even if your stuff isn't similar and you pitch differently, uh, you know, or what have you. I mean, who wouldn't love to just, you know, be a fly on the wall and, and listen in and just learn? And, you know, some it, the best times are when, you know, you see players, minor league players who are highly tied to prospects uh, being quiet because there's there's somebody there who's just a, a living legend that they can just learn from. Yeah. And so it's just there's, I, there's just so much going on. Again, the South Bend Cubs have a one game lead over Beloit, huge home stand coming up four oh, games in a row in Marquis. So if you can't make it down there at least, at least head over to watch on Marquee and, and take a look at the stuff that Max and I have been talking about and other people as well, Lance Brozdowski, uh, you know, Greg Huss, all the people that we, you know, we've had a lot of people on the show and really kind of trying to, to, to get people to realize that there is a plan. It's coming into place. It sucks that we have to go through this rebuild right now, but I have a feeling that, in, in my opinion, Max, I feel like the player development has improved since the last great Cubs team. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the, the name of the game right now is just patience, you know, sit, sit back and wait, um, you know, and just it, it's coming. The good times are ahead, and I think they're closer than uh, they would appear. Max, I appreciate- it's like the it's like the uh, it's like it's like the rearview mirror. You know, it's like it, it's closer than it actually does appear. Trust me, it's, it's coming down the line sooner than you think. Well, I appreciate you hopping on. I will be tuning in and watching. I hope that you and BK have a great call. I hope you have exciting games. And, I, and I'm, I, I'm really, really cheering for this team to go far in the postseason. Hey, we're hoping to see you again soon. Absolutely, my friend. You take care. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you too. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw show. Those guys are on from 530 to 10 on 670 The Score. Of course, your radio home for Cubs baseball. As always, I'm here with my buddy Crowley. We just had a great interview with Max Toma, voice of the South Bend Cubs. And Crowley, now it's time to turn the page as the Cubs and Nationals start another series. They just played before the Reds at Wrigley. Now this set of three out at the nation's capital. Yeah, it should be interesting. You know, game one, we have, it's going to be a 6.05 start. I like the 6.05 starts, Dustin. I know you do as well. Me too. Yep. That's a 2.30 <laughs> wake-up call. I love, I love me a 6.05 start. Not going to complain about it. And, and, and it's interesting because as we were taking a look here, these teams, like you just said, played each other recently. And the Cubs did pretty well taking two or three, for, was it two or three from the Nationals? So, uh, I would say that it's going to be an interesting series again in the fact that this isn't a very difficult matchup for the Cubs. So let's see what they do. Uh, you have Marcus Stroman on the mound, three and five with a 4.20 ERA, 74 Ks, taking on Josiah Gray, seven and eight, 4.21 ERA with 127 Ks. 
When we talk about Strowman, uh, last start wasn't the world's greatest. Uh, if you remember, he kind of got touched up a little bit, and it just uh, it just wasn't the best of starts, and we were kind of used to him really doing well. And that was versus Washington. So five innings pitched, he gave up five hits and four runs with two walks. So before that, he was really he had really been kind of pretty lights out. Um, but this just wasn't the greatest start for Marcus. So hope for to see him rebound right back. Yeah, you definitely want to see him rebound. Um, and I keep like seeing him go to the mound. Um, he's a competitor. There's no doubt about that. He's going to try to do his best. But yeah, last, last start out was not was not his best. And this is a series, Crowley. In, in the first segment of the podcast, we keep talking about it. So the bats had come to life a little bit. There were more men on base in the series against the Reds. But the dreaded RISP, runners in scoring position, is still something that the Cubs are doing terrible at. So I'm hoping in this series we can keep getting men on base and the Cubs can start driving some of these guys in. And when you talk about the two games in Cincinnati, they, they hit three home runs in both games. One they won, one they lost. So right. uh, hopefully they, they can keep that up. But this first matchup, I, I saw this kid pitch. I think he pitched on, it was the Wednesday before the Field of Dreams game. That was on 8-10. Went 6.2 innings, gave up seven hits, two earned runs. But he had the Cubs off balance most of the game, Josiah Gray. So, um, it, it, you know, it's it, when you whenever you have these games that are so close, I remember there was a series, Arizona, that was kind of the same, where it's like they played Arizona in Arizona, and then they played them right away afterwards at Wrigley. There's a little bit more familiarity with the two teams, so... You know, does Gray dominate like he did last time, or, or do the Cubs have a better idea of what they're getting, so to speak? You know what I mean? Right. Well, just one, just one more reason to tune in tonight. You know, that's another reason why you want to watch that game. Yeah, and so I'm just kind of in one of those mindsets that, as as a Cub fan, I take a look and I say to myself, okay, what adjustments are the team going to make against him, uh, just to see if there's any difference. Right, so right. game two has Justin Steele versus Patrick Corbin. It is shocking that Corbin's still on the team. Remember that the Cubs tried uh, mightily to, or not the Cubs, the Nationals tried mightily to trade that contract. Patrick yeah, Corbin they were to went put that in the, in the deal with uh, in, in their, in their blockbuster, right. With Juan Soto, they were trying to, you know, kind of, Oh yeah. And by the way, will you take a little Patrick Corbin action for us? Right. And so one of the things that threw that up right there that threw that off a little bit was the fact that uh, the first baseman, Eric Hosmer, was talking. Uh, he he vetoed the trade to Washington and that kind of threw some things off a little bit. So that would let that allowed. Uh, that's the reason we're going to see Patrick Corbin tonight. He has been absolutely horrific this season. And boy, you know, it was Washington really trying to get that money off the books. So Steele's four and seven with the 363 ERA, 106 Ks, where Patrick Corbin is four and 16 with a 702 ERA, 702 with 102 Ks. So I am, I am, I'm sitting here watching this saying to myself, oh man, this is where, you know, the, you know, you have to talk about that situation and say to yourself, you have to be able to get run, runs against Patrick Corbin. No yeah, doubt about game, it. And I good went to, game <laughs> to get healthy. Good game for the offense to get healthy, Crowley. 
And so I went to beat the streak, and I definitely picked some Cubs to get some hits. I doubled down against Patrick Corbin because if you can't hit this guy, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, he's just awful. The last game he pitched was against Philadelphia on 8-6. He went .2 innings. He gave up five hits and six runs before his manager threw in the towel. So this guy is, you know, he gives you innings. That's about all he does. Other than that, he doesn't give you much. Uh, the, you know, a lot of the Cubs haven't seen him a lot. Franmil Reyes has six at-bats and bats 500. So anyone that has seen him, Wilson's only hitting 200 against him. So we'll see. Um, Justin Steele, all these guys really only had one start against him. And, you know, so it's just too hard to kind of get some numbers. Cesar Hernandez had three at-bats and got two hits off him. Other than that, you know, and Trez uh, Barrera had... Uh, two at bats and got one hit. So nothing big there, but Patrick Corbin, you got to get a win there. Yep, absolutely. That, that, that's one for sure. We'll get into the prediction on this series in a minute. That takes us now Crowley to game three in afternoon, 1205 local time first pitch. So about an 1135 AM pregame. And then we got Drew Smiley throwing for the Northsiders. Look good last time out versus Corey Abbott. Drew Smiley at 5-6 and six with a 3.69 ERA and 61 Ks, while Corey Abbott is 0-2 with a 594 ERA and 16 Ks. The Cubs, nobody has an at-bat against Corey Abbott. With Drew Smiley, uh, not really too much. The main one is Nelson Cruz has 19 at-bats, but he hits 211 in them. But Justin Steele, very similar to Keegan Thompson, a guy that's really – uh, you're watching to see how he looks as far as how much gas is left in the tank. Justin Steele has really, really, really done well this whole season. And, you know, just looking here, last time out versus Washington, six-inning pitch, eight hits, two earned runs only. So a pretty good start for him there. So hopefully he can keep going and, and do a little bit better than Keegan did in the last series. Yeah, but you're right. They're, they're definitely going to be a pitch limit for sure on Justin Steele in game two. No Absolutely. Doubt no yep. doubt about it. But a guy who will not have a pitch limit is Drew Smiley in game three, Crowley. I think, no, run it, him it, into, it, I think they'll run him into the ground if they need to. And he was great in the Field of Dreams game. Yeah, and, and just hopefully he kind of keeps doing that. Just, just timing didn't work out in the Cubs' favor this year with both Miley and Smiley. You know what I mean? Is that if, if, if Smiley was throwing like this – a month earlier, we would he wouldn't be on the team, and we would have had some prospects for him. Yep, absolutely. And you bring up uh, Miley. I read earlier today that Miley tomorrow on Tuesday is going to make a rehab start. Yeah, and AAA. So we'll we'll see what happens at this point. I'm not I'm not sure what's going to happen if they're going to keep well, just him or somebody cut him to, just somebody to eat some innings. Just just somebody where maybe you have um, Stroman and maybe a, I'm sorry, maybe a. Justin Steele is an opener, right, moving forward perhaps to get him used to getting up and going through the process. Maybe the same thing with Keegan, and then maybe somebody like that comes in from behind. Same thing with Lighter, maybe. Yep, so it, it should be exciting. So there's really – I'm going to go out on a limb here, Dustin, here, and I'm, I'm going to say <laughs> – I'm not going to say sweep. I know that's what you're thinking. I'm going to say Cubs take two of three – I'm a little just, like I said, I'm a little nervous with that Josiah Gray. He pitched really well last time, and I saw his stuff. And whether he can duplicate it, I don't know. But I think two for three is a safe bet here. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna push it. I'm going to push it, buddy. Um, I like the lineup tonight on Monday night for 
uh, the Cubs. I, I look for Stroman, who's probably faced the Nationals several times from his day as a Met. I'm gonna I'm gonna push all the chips in the middle here, Crowley. I'm gonna go for the I'm gonna go for the old sweeperoo. All right, flying the W three times. I like it, and I think I know why you're in a positive mood. It's because the Cubs got some good news regarding number one prospect Brennan Davis. Absolutely. I read today that he is going to be back in the lineup sooner rather than later, which means he may have a really good shot to break camp and be a big leaguer at Wrigley Field next year. Maybe I'm being a little over my skis there, but I think the possibility exists depending on what the Cubs do in free agency. So the Cubs have a lot of things that are always going on. We, we've talked about single A, you know, the low A, high A. We've had everybody on double and triple. But there's also the rookie league that the Cubs have, the Arizona Complex League, which is rookie ball. And a lot of times there, there's just kids that are working out there. And so, you know, when, when, when a guy's coming off a long-term injury like that, they're not going to just drop him right back into, say, triple A. So they're going to work him back here. And so, you know, he had that issue with the nerves in his back. So he underwent some back surgery this year, which obviously is, is scary. But, you know, it was weird. It was, it was watching Brennan Davis struggle in AAA was tough. And you knew something had to be wrong. And, and, and luckily they found it. And let's be honest, the Cubs, I mean, I don't know. I think they're going to get a starting pitcher and a shortstop next year. But if it's, it's okay if Brennan Davis doesn't break camp with the big league squad. The question is, is how he looks against AAA pitching. So the reason he's going to the Arizona Complex League, the Rookie Ball League, is to get his mechanics, his timing, to work his way back into things. It's one of those things that's very similar to, say, like, you know, when you're talking about spring training where, like, you could just have a guy take it a bat and then, like, he can, like, not play the field and then come back and take a bat. You can just do a lot of things and just get this guy right. And that's what the Cubs really want to do is make sure that his mechanics are in good shape and and – Hopefully, like I said, if he has a good spring training, it might be one of those situations similar to Chris Bryant where he comes up, you know, maybe very early in the season. Really quick, Crowley, before we wrap up season one, episode 24, and we're talking next season already. We're always talking about next season. Tom Ricketts released this statement to ESPN. I want to get your opinion on it. We didn't have time last week as we were talking about the Field of Dreams game. Quote from Ricketts, I'll be the first to acknowledge this is not the type of baseball Cubs fans deserve. He went on to say to be very, they plan to be very active, very active in free agency this offseason. Your reaction to those comments from Tom Ricketts, who you, you saw at the Field of Dreams game. I actually talked to him about this very statement. I said, you know, Tom, I said it was good that you made that statement. Fans need to hear it, and, you know, hopefully you guys back it up. That's what we want to see. Um, so with the shortstop class, I, if the Cubs do not get a shortstop during the free agent signings, I will be shocked. I will now, again, I was shocked that Wilson Contreras is still a Cub, but this is basically nothing more than money. You control that. You know what I mean? So right. it's, you have a free agent class of shortstops that looks fantastic right now. You, you have Carlos Correa, you have uh, Sandra Bogart, uh, Xavier Bogarts, and uh, you have uh, Dansby Swanson, who's kind of the one that seems to be picking up the most steam as far as connecting with the Cubs. So, you know, a guy that really elevates the ball and, and plays a great shortstop. And, and, and it's just really one of the most important defensive uh, 
positions on the field. And, and you and I have talked about it ad nauseum about there was a play the other day where there was a challenge and the Cubs didn't win the challenge. It was a, you know, it's like Nicky magical doesn't make the play. And it's one of those things that we got so used to seeing good defense, especially with Javi that it's, it's hard when all of a sudden plays that we're used to accustomed to seeing get made are not being made. And so I, I'm just kind of at the point where I think that a shortstop is needed and a starting pitcher, no doubt. Now, that being said, just so you know, and I know this is as you worried, in the last seven days, Nicky Magical has a 545 batting average. Well, maybe one of those shortstops, Crowley, that you talked about there, and maybe we'll save this as a little tease for episode number 25, assuming it doesn't go off on a hitch as I go out to Vegas, is that maybe one of those shortstops you talked about, maybe eventually he could play shortstop, but maybe next year he plays third base for the Cubs. Absolutely. There, it's it, again. You're not going to have the when you have guys that are that good defensively. You you don't worry about it. You know the the most famous example is uh, when the Yankees had Jeter at short and they moved Alex Rodriguez to third. I mean, they're great defense. Yep. They're great athletes. They can play third. It's not a big deal. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm definitely interested to see what happens. I was glad to hear Tom Ricketts talk about this because it's it, you know. Got two guys in the offseason this last year with uh, Seiya Suzuki being one of them, who's kind of in one of those cold periods right now. He's hitting 190 in the last seven games. Uh, and Marcus Stroman. So you picked up two pieces. I think, in, again, a shortstop and a starting pitcher would really uh, do wonders for this team. Absolutely. Well, I'm willing to give Tom Ricketts and Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins a little bit of slack. I'm willing to see what happens this offseason, but uh, if it goes the same way this past year goes, then this uh, this podcast might go a little bit blue. Crowley, that's a wrap. This was Season 1, Episode 24. We called it The Bats Come Alive, at least against the Reds. We hope they will do it against the Nationals. You're calling for two out of three against the Nationals. I'm calling for a sweep. Crowley, always great to talk to you. We'll talk later this week. Yes, and good talking to you, Dustin. And just make sure to follow us, subscribe to the podcast, however you listen to them. Make sure that you follow our socials at Instagram and Twitter, Fly the W670, on Facebook at Fly the W, and our Gmail account, Fly the W670 at gmail.com.